Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Amen. It's good to be back with you again. Uh, it's like you always you, you always feel like you want to um, go, and then you go, and you go, I can't wait to get back. What's the matter with us, you know? I can't wait to go, and I can't wait to get back. I, it's just never satisfying us. But I just wanted to take a moment and just express my appreciation, of course, to Pastor Goose for bringing last week's message to the family of God. What a blessing that is and a joy it is to have such capable ministers all throughout our body here. And, and uh, thanks also to Dale uh, and the music team for leading that music. And uh, I don't have to, I don't worry. Because they got it. They, they always do a great job, and I'm so grateful and thankful. So Lynn and I, we took off and went down to, um, everybody was like, oh, you're going to San Clemente? Yeah, we're going to San Clemente. Of course, we were indoors the whole time. It's not like we're going to the beach or something. Yeah, I'd go to the beach if you go down there, don't you think? Yeah, I'd just go stick the feet in. But yeah, we didn't really get to do that. But, but we had a great time, and we met with a group of about 50 people that came to attend uh, this year's uh, reunion. It's, it's a church reunion from the church that I grew up in when I was a little kid, all just just a little kid. We got there when I was like seven, and, and uh, the, the folks still get together after all these years and and have a, kind of a reunion. And it's actually kind of a it, it's it's a part of three churches. Two were the same one because we built in a new city. So it was Midway City Church of Nazarene, and then it became Westminster Community. But there's also a church out of San Diego that uh, uh, Pastor McCandless was the pastor there for a few years, I think it was, uh, before he retired. And so people from all over the Southland, all the way from San Diego on up into L.A., some people come from as far as Albuquerque, and one was from Florida this year. And uh, so it, it was just nice to get together with everybody again. I don't know, have you gone to a reunion of some sorts? Are they any good? No, don't want to do that. I don't want to see any of those folks do it. Maybe. I don't know. It's kind of fun, especially church. I don't know if I want to go back to high school reunion, but I love going to the church reunions and to see those folks. And, and uh, it's always a blessing to get a chance to attend. For some, it wouldn't make a lot of sense because what, what we do there, for, we, we gather and is, we're, we're kind of transported back to a time. So you'd probably have to have grown up in that time in the church to make sense of any of it because we just kind of sit around and, and we have some people with a sound system and some microphones. We sing songs and uh, we sing all the old, old, old songs. They're really good songs, actually. Uh, I, I often share some of those with you along the way, but, but we, we sing them like we did back in the day. And, and uh, everybody it really enjoys that. It's reminiscent of a way that many of us used to share and worship together. Um, I always tell everybody, we, you know, we didn't do hymns back then. I don't know why our church was that way, but we, we didn't do, you know, you might do, um, let's see, would you be free from your burden of sin? And, and you know, and people are like, okay, move on, you know. But we didn't do it that way. We do. Would you be free from your burden? It was always kind of a, I don't know, something out of the south, I think. And, and so, so church musically and every other way was just exciting all the time. And you never knew what Pastor McCandless was going to do. And that day, he'd come down and take the note that you were writing to your friend. And he he wouldn't read it to everybody, but he'd take it, and you'd be afraid that he's going to read that. That note, and everybody would know that you really thought Lisa was cute. You know, I don't know, man. But we get together and we just reminisce. We sing songs, gospel songs. We relive our, our early days in the church that we had together. As a matter of fact, many have come and they share their testimony. You know, we used to do that. I don't know if you remember doing that. You remember just popping up? 
in the service, we say, give me a couple of testimonies. And you always trusted people do about 1.75 minutes per testimony. You know, every now and then a guy would stand up and he'd preach. And that was the end of that day. But, uh, but it was really good times. It was, it was a time to, to just, we'd do that on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. Just jump up and just, we, we'd have to, McCannis would say, stand up right now. What is God doing in your life this week? <laughs> and you're like, whoa, this week? Okay, let me think about this week. But, but it was just a great time. And, and so we do that when we get together. There's a lot of amens. You know, in today's day, people are like, what's that? Amen, amen just means so be it, means I agree. Uh, we don't hear a lot of those all the time. But, <laughs> you know, you do sometimes when, when it really inspires us. Amen. And then some people that are under 30 go, I wish you wouldn't say words like that. That just, nobody knows what that means. So we say right on, but that's an old term also. And groovy, baby. No, we don't want to do that one. That one, that one's weird. So we just stick with amen. You know, it just means praise the Lord. I agree with that. And, and uh, there's just, it just transports me back to the people that, that sort of raised me. Uh, uh, you know, because back then, long before it took a village. It took a church. <laughs> I mean, the church, I had men in the church, hey, Brooks, you know, and, and they'd look at me, and I knew what they meant by looking at me. They knew, uh, I know your dad, and so you better get with it. And they were helping. They were helping us. They were pointing us towards something. And, and when the Lord came to me and spoke my name, he spoke something to me way back in the day, as I'm sure he did with you, way back in the day, or maybe it was just uh, last year. It, could, it, it doesn't really matter because the Lord says, uh, come, follow me. Come and follow me. And I remember when, when the Lord did that in my life. He said, come and follow me. And I thought, <laughs> you know who I am, right? You know, and, and, uh, and he's, yes, I want to have a relationship with you. This year was especially a blessed time because my youth pastor, now this will just blow your mind because it's hard for a you know, 20-something-year-old guy to have a 42-year relationship with somebody, but my youth pastor of 42 years ago was there. I had to apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the kind of junior high kid that I was. You know, I was a junior high kid. And, uh, but no, I've already apologized to him a long time ago. But he was there, and it was really neat to see him. Uh, it, it, was, it was he and other uh, youth pastors that used to always call us to follow Jesus, and, and they'd say, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't, he'd say, don't look at me. He'd say, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. There was a song that was made popular in, in 1982. We're going back there again, you know, by Twyla Paris. And, and she used to say it this way. She says, I'm not looking behind me. I, I'm not looking behind me I, I, at the mistakes I've already made. Uh, why, why bother looking behind? Uh, I mean, if we can learn something great, but why, I'm not looking behind me at mistakes I've made, I've already made. Hope is living inside me. I believe that my debts are paid, she said. Trusting you now, I know I can make it. I made a vow and I don't want to break it. And then she'd sing, Lord, I'm keeping my eyes on you. Following you, following you, my Lord, I'm keeping my eyes on you. Following you, following you, my Lord. I'm keeping my eyes on you, Lord. I'm not going to look to the left or the right. My goal is keeping you in my sight, she would say. Come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of people. Jesus calls. And from our text this morning, these first, these first who are called, immediately they respond. Immediately. And Jesus calls us today. Maybe it's been a long time ago. Maybe it was back in the 
70s, I don't know, whatever, 40s, maybe it was the 80s, maybe it was just a year ago, six months ago. He calls us, and immediately they respond to his calling. And Jesus calls us today. Jesus calls us, and we respond. I read from you from Matthew 4 this morning, reading from the word Matthew 4, verses 12 through 23. Uh, You can remain seated today. I just want to share this with you. You've heard it many times as we dig in. Let the Lord speak to your heart. He says this, Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and he settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken from the Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people, he says, who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus was going through all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, we're once again grateful and thankful. It's really the moment you call us and we respond, we become a thankful people. And so we're grateful for your word and we're grateful for what you want to say to us. Even if it's individuals, maybe you'll say something in general context, but Lord, maybe you'd like to speak to us individually. You've called and we've responded. Lord, we open ourselves to hear what you have for us this day. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, growing up in that church that I described as a young boy, I had the opportunity to to look at some very strong men and women in my life. I mean, they were bigger than life. They were, they were important to us. They, they were churchmen and churchwomen, and, and they'd been around the church a long time, and we show up on the scene, and we, they invite us in, and they welcome us in, and then we become a part of that family of God. It was a, a, a wonderful, wonderful point of time in my life where they helped mold me, and they would teach me, and, and they would point me towards Jesus as I, I was young and impressionable. I was lost, actually, and I was a young seeker just trying to find my way, not knowing exactly how. My eyes were fixed on Pastor Marion McCandless, a bold, brash, bigger-than-life proclaimer of the good news. He, he was, and he, he continues to be influential in my life even today. It was always so good to hear from, from those that show up to, to our reunion that in my early years, they, they, were, they were following Christ, and they're still following him to this day. No change in their life, no gap in their life, Hard times sometimes, yes, but still following after Jesus. 
And they continue to do so. His good news for all is the message that comes from their lips. It's an encouraging to see God's faithful continuing in their lives, in the uh, continuing in the lives of those who pointed the way for me, who who said, "Rob, follow Jesus. Don't miss out on what Christ has for you in your life." In those early years, my eyes were focused on my youth pastors. They were named. Beagle, I told you about him. There's a Beagle, a Bunch, and a Bookie. And then my brother became the youth pastor at that church, and his name was Brooks. I don't know what it is about bees, but they just think that there's something about that that they need to hire a youth pastor. It won't work, Goose. It's got to be a bee. And they weren't the only ones, not to mention the families of the church, the Kennedys and Bursons and Damerons and Jameses and Rosses, and the list goes on and on from the families of the, na- the names of the families that I still remember this very day who were a part of my life, who were encouraging to me as a, a really kind of a little creepy junior high kid. That was me. I mean, I, I just was always into stuff, and, and I thought that church was my playground, and they tried to remind me all the time that it, it wasn't necessarily that, you know. But they were there for me. They walked in a way that helped me want to follow Jesus more than I want to follow him on my own. They all pointed to something that was beyond themselves, something outside that had come into their lives, and now they were pointing me that direction. You see, being being or becoming a follower of Jesus is God's will for every one of us. All right, all right. I, just, I should have a big red button right here. To, amen button. It is. It's, it's, it's God's will for every one of us. All who are called followers of Jesus are called to share with others and, and lead others, point others to Jesus. We do that with those that are our, our co-people that, that we're around quite often or we work with uh, junior high or senior high or children's ministries. We're, we're constantly pointing others to Jesus. In this morning's text, we can learn a few things, though, from Jesus and from these early followers. First of all, it's the first one that came to my mind, is that we need to be where God leads us to be or where he wants us to be. That can actually be a physical location. We need to be where he's calling us to be. Someone say, well, I don't know where that is. Well, we'll get into that in a minute, but we need, to, we need to be where God leads us to be. We all have a place, a story. We have a life that we have in him to share, and we should be at the center, right at the place where God wants us to be. And it's not just a, a future place that, that he's leading us to. It's also that we find ourselves right in this moment. There's a place that we are at right now that he has led us to be. We need to be in that place. It's not just a future place, but it's, it's where we find ourselves at right now. My pastor of 20 years, uh, one of the, his favorite sayings, he always used to say, he'd say, hey, wherever you are, that's where you are. And I was like, that is so profound. <laughs> pastor Holmes, wherever you are, that's where you are. And it wasn't a statement of defeat or a statement of, you know, okay, sirrah, sirrah, you know. It's not about whatever will be, will be. No, not, not at all. That, that was meant by, what was meant by this little statement was that wherever we find ourselves, whatever place we find our situation to be, we should serve the Lord, follow Jesus right where we are, be where God leads us to be, be in the story, be at the center of God's will, both physically and spiritually. God will use us in his plan to bring the good news to others. So each 
each day we should see our physical and our spiritual placements, our locations to be an opportunity to have a powerful impact on others all around us. <laughs> it's, a, it's an imaginary one. I mean, that's true. That's how important every day is in the life of the believer. It's not, it's just not willy-nilly. It doesn't have to be. Many are going through life with not much hope, not much hope for their future. It's been one failure after another, one disappointment after another. And as followers, we should be where God leads us to be. Jesus himself had a place that he needed to be. He knew where he was going. Jesus had to leave Nazareth. He had to withdraw to Galilee, settle in Capernaum, the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. There's an actual location where that's at. This, it, was a, it was a physical location that would fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. It would point to Jesus as Messiah. And it was from that location that Jesus would begin to preach that message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Something new just happened Something new has burst on the scene. There's a new day that's coming. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. My story of becoming a follower, it actually started back even further at North Long Beach Church of the Nazarene for the most part. At least it's, it's back that far that I can remember. There came a moment in time for my parents. They had to decide whether we would stay in Long Beach. We'd continue to live in Compton and, and go to the North Long Beach Church of Nazarene or that we would move to a new community. Where we would worship as a family was super important to my parents. And after much searching and seeking the Lord, my parents chose that Midway City Church of the Nazarene. And man, I got to tell you, I'm so glad they did. It changed my life. God changed my life, but it used the people of that church to point me to Jesus. It used those individuals that loved me even when I was being a, a kid in church. You ever walk by one of those? You got to love them. That's what we were called to do and point them towards Jesus. Don't frown at them. Don't give them a dirty look. They don't know what you mean by that. You mean just get up. They think, you hate me, don't you? So, so we, we, we encourage our kids and our, our young people and our students. Encourage them. But after much seeking, my parents, they decided on the Midway City Church. It would just simply become one of the biggest, most impactful decisions that my parents would make for our family. My home church nurtured me. It inspired me. It pointed me to the cross, and it taught me to share that message, that good news with, with others not fully realizing it while in the process, being right where God wanted us was essential to our lives of becoming followers of Jesus. Perfect life? Nope. Free from all the problems and challenges and all the scares? Nope. But one of total peace and knowing that God is with me even when I'm acting the way I acted. And this is, it's not just a physical location. It's also a spiritual location. Being where God wants us spiritually included where he would lead us physically. God is always drawing us towards his will, intersecting with Christ will always have a tremendous impact on our spiritual lives. 
Our spiritual location pointed us to the cross of Christ and to the sharing of that good news with others. It was our main theme. It seemed like that's all there was. There was so much more in God's word, but that seemed at times that's all we're about is sharing the good news with others. Our physical lives were challenged to make room for the spiritual growth in our lives. Our prayer for the day was and has been, where and how would you like to use my life today, Lord? It's early in the morning. How would you like me to govern myself this day? Where would you like me to go? And how would you like me to get there? In our everyday coming and going, we are, we are to make room in our lives for becoming faithful followers of Jesus. This is the question that each of us must answer. The, the question is this. Have we made room in our lives to follow Jesus, what would it take for us to be the kind of followers that he is calling us to be, whatever that might be? Author Vicki Black tells a story about the artist Roden, who one day he saw this big, giant, large, carved crucifix beside the road. He immediately loved the artwork and he insisted on having it. So he purchased the cross and he arranged to have it carted back to his house. But when he got there, it was too big for the building. The cross was too large. So of all things, he knocked out the walls and raised the roof and rebuilt his home around the cross. You see, when we hear Jesus' call to follow him, my prayer is that we will decide to knock down the walls in our lives that leave no room to follow and that we would each rebuild our lives around the cross of Christ. That the central focus of our message to those that are around us will be the lengths to which Jesus has gone to make a way for each one of us. That we would follow where he leads and make room for following him and pointing others to do so. Remember, Jesus said, if anyone wants to come become my followers, let them deny themselves. Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Sometimes we say that with a lot of oomph and then it's like, yeah, what does that look like? What does he really want me to do? That's a scary proposition. To take up your cross, the cross is not a beautiful thing. We wear pretty ones, but it's not the kind of cross he's talking talking about us taking up. We are to be where God leads us to be. Number two, we are to speak where God leads us to speak. Oh, I don't don't talk well. Well, neither did Moses. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't feel gifted. No, 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 no. We are to speak where God leads us to speak. There there is someone who is in darkness. There's someone who's lost and and in that darkness, and and they need to hear the good news, and they intersect with our lives each and every day. We come across people like that. I thought I was just getting a Diet Pepsi. No, there's someone right across that counter that just might need, if God leads you, for you to speak what it is that he'd like you to speak. And if if, if it's God's plan that the light of the gospel comes to those living in darkness, it is his plan. That's what he wants for all those who have not yet responded to his good news. This is not a slam on the world in any, any way, shape, or form, for we were all once in darkness. We should take the time occasionally to remember what that was like to be without Christ to be walking or sitting in darkness, to be lost. It's been a long time. But I remember the sense of frustration and hopelessness and what is life all about? Why am I here? 
You know, kids are still asking that today. Why am I here? What, what earthly good am I? Do I even need to be here? And if the light would shine, they'd know they have purpose. They'd know that they, they are precious in the sight of our God. We need to lift our kids. Let them know, even if they don't ask, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You just got to follow him. We must speak even and even expect that there are those that will respond. Sometimes we think, nah, nobody wants to hear this anymore. Yeah, they do. They want to see it in your life. They want to know what you've been through as you get to know them. They want to hear about the good news. We can see that Jesus not only knew where he was to be, but he knew where he was supposed to speak. He, he, we, read, we read in the verses, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light dawned. And it says that from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus has broken in on the scene and changed everything. I'll never forget a lady in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. It was my first full-time church that I got the opportunity to go to, and it was, it was on the white sand beaches of Fort Walton Beach. It was, what a bummer, you know? And Lynn and I packed everything we owned in a little, actually, they sent a truck. That was really different. Uh, and so a truck picked up all of our stuff, and we just drove down. But when we got there, we, we wanted to share with others. We wanted to, to, to tell the good news to other people and, and Back in that day, we'd say, well, how do you do that? How do you do that effectively? And, and, you know, I grew up with the Roman road. Do you remember the Roman road? You know, it's all in Romans for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And you just go right down the list. Well, that felt, at that time, felt kind of rote. And so we had other ways of learning how. And so we'd go in groups of three. And we'd, we, we learned to tell our testimony. We'd write our testimony out. And what did, when did God save you? Write that out. And we'd write it out. And we'd, we'd look at it and think about it. How could I share that? And then we'd go knocking on doors. <laughs> That's when you go, now, now you have your, your little um, camera, Right? Oh, the weirdos are here, <laughs> you know. So we, we don't do as much of that anymore, right? You just like turn the lights off, you know. You hear that click of the deadbolt, shrink. Uh, but, but it didn't used to be that way. People used to jump up and go, hey, I wonder who is at the door. And, and so this, this lady opened her door and we said, hey, we're from Fort Walton Church of Nazarene and we, we'd just like to come and share with you today. She said, come on in. You know, it's not like, you better get out of here. It's like, come on in. And so we went in, and, and we started in with that testimony. And I said, uh, hey, brothers, you know, share how you came to faith in Christ. And, and a friend of mine shared. And, and then he looked at the other guy and said, hey, how'd it work for you, you know? And then he shared. And, and we had been through this a, t a number of times. You ever done role play in your businesses and how to talk to people and share with people and try and sell them things? You know, uh, we weren't selling anything. We were just sharing. So the last guy looks at me, and he says, says, um, hey, Rob, how'd it happen for you? So I told my story about being a kid in the church and not really finding him till a certain point because that's when God called. And, and I got through my whole testimony. And when I got done, I knew there was a question I had to ask. I, I looked at her and I said, have you ever come to that place in your life where you felt the need to make Jesus Lord of your life? And then we all waited. And, and tears welled up in her eyes. And I looked at the guys like, what's going on? And she goes, I said, is that something you'd like to do? And she said, yes, I'd like to do that. And then I had to think, what page was that on? 
we've never made it to that spot. <laughs> it was usually like, oh, yeah, I made that decision, you know, years ago. Okay, thanks. It's been nice being with you. Thanks for the cookies. We, but this time she said, yeah, I want to receive Christ. And, and what was interesting was I went right back to when they taught me as a kid. I said, well, I hope you know that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That we're none are righteous, no, not one. We've all made the mistakes. We've all uh, uh, not been what we were supposed to be. We've all missed the mark. But because of Jesus and what Jesus did, we can have a relationship with him. And she prayed that, that day and received Christ. And she was a new creature, a new creation as we left. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Do you know that still happens today? It doesn't have to be like that. In fact, is I will not grab two of you and say, we're going door knocking. It, it, it just doesn't quite work exactly that way. You know, unless God says, get some brothers and sisters or whatever and go and talk to that person, then, yeah, we'll do that. There's still people. They're hungry. They're frustrated. They need Jesus. And you can't even imagine the encouragement in our lives when we get the opportunity to share that with somebody and they make that their decision. Ellie Weissel tells the story of a prophet who came to a city and delivered his message every day at the marketplace back when they would... I can remember a guy standing on the corner shouting at everybody driving by. Do you remember that? I remember that. You know, after a time, his ranting became the fixture of the city's life and people regarded him with amusement when they, if they regarded him at all. Finally, a small boy felt pity for the man, and he approached him one day. He said, sir, why do you keep crying aloud like this every day, year after year? He said, the people will never listen to you, so why do you do it? The man told me, oh, I gave up. I gave up hope that they would ever listen to me a long time ago. He said, I go on crying lest I begin to listen to them. You see, there's a whole lot of voices today. We, we, have more, we have more noise than we used to have on FM stereo <laughs> or AM. <laughs> there's noise. There's clamoring for attention. Everyone wants to be heard, especially in our social media, not to mention our 24-7 broadcast media, and a bunch of you just turned it off and unplug it. I don't want it anymore. But we as followers... Followers, we must continue to speak the good news. It not only speaks to those who need Christ in their lives, it also reminds us that we are to speak where God leads us to speak, lest we begin to listen to the overwhelmingly loud voices. We continue to cry out lest we begin to believe them. Whether we are actively participating in purposeful evangelism or simply and faithfully living out our faith in front of the culture and the world that we live in, we must speak where God is leading us to speak. We also should understand this, number three, that following is a faith community calling. That one never gets it. Following is a faith community. It's a community following a calling, a community calling. It's not a fishy business. It's a following business, and, and we're not meant to do it alone. Responding to the good news brings us into a, a life that's full of purpose and potential. This life is available to everyone that will respond to the call, but we, we are not called to follow in isolation. All by ourselves, do it all, by, all alone. You know, like the, the Lone Ranger, who'd he have? 
He had Tonnell. Batman had Robin. Brady Bunch had a bunch. The Partridge family had, they had a family. Peyton had a place and friends had Central Perk. There's also, there's always a place, a gathering of God's people that will meet together. We have a community of faithful followers right here. The body of Christ, the family of God. We are not meant to run this race or live this life in in Christ all by ourselves. We are not meant to be where God wants us to be all alone. Jesus was looking for and finding very imperfect individuals that would follow him and they would turn the world completely on its ear. There are others that are meant to be a part of our our community of faith. Do you believe that? <laughs> there are others. They're out there. They visit. They come. We're thankful. There's some that they stay, and but they need a family of God, and we are meant to compel them to come and follow, not come and and just sit and give and all those things. Come and follow Jesus. That's the life. That's the purpose. That's what's exciting about it. It's, it's not just all the things that we, we attempt to do. It's, it's the following of Jesus Christ. It's where they will raise their children for Jesus. It's where the, their students will come to a place where they can counter their own culture with the power of God in their lives. It's a family place where we worship together, where we are stirred by God's word and to be more like Jesus than we ever thought we could possibly be. It's that place where we hurt together, where we hear God's voice together. It's where we love others together and where we call one another. We call on one another for prayer and for support. And we are living in a time where many see the vital community, this vital community as kind of a take it or leave it, Whatever. If it doesn't float my boat, I'll jump ship. I'll never forget something that my mother faced when I was just a little kid. I think I was still in grade school. I might have been sixth grade. It was a real tangible way to see the family of God, this community come together. My mom had gone in for a, a doctor visit, and I think I've mentioned this story before, but they found a lump, and, and they wanted to make another appointment to do a biopsy, and we know that can be super scary. It always is, whether it be that or any other kind of physical thing that we know that might, might be upon us. And, and I remember my, my mom was, was kind of gripped with fear a little bit, and, and as we could imagine, if you, and fully some of you fully understand what that is. But I recall vividly the Sunday that our pastor at the end of the service of that day, he asked this question. He said this, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. It's out of James 5. He says, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the weak, uh, the sick, will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess, he says, your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. And I'll never forget as long as, as a song began to play and the people began to sing and to move forward to the altar where my mom was kneeling that morning, there was an outpouring of prayer. 
as at least 10 or 12 women gathered around my mom and began laying hands on her and praying over her aloud. If I remember correctly, it's been a long time ago, and I was just with her again this last Sunday. Her name is, we call her Sister Daniels. And Sister Daniels was a prayer warrior. Don't get in the way of Sister Daniels' prayer. I could hear her praying over my mother, along with the others for healing, always in Jesus' name. It was a community of faith event that impacted my mom and it impacted me as a kid watching this whole thing play out. Watching the faith community doing what Jesus did. We read it in verse 23. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching their, in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. John 14, 12 says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Do we still believe that? Or do we need to kind of pull it apart to make room for when it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen? You see, Jesus himself, he was, he was where the Father was leading him to be. He, he knew that, that, that what was coming, and he was committed to follow the will of the Father, even to the horrible, most terrible cross. I want you to know that as those ladies prayed for my mom that day, she had to go back and see the doctor a week or two later. And the doctor did one of those head-scratching things because they checked it again and the lump was gone, but there was a hole where the lump used to be. And my mom gave thanks and praised God for those that prayed over her that day. My mom was healed in the community of faith. It still happens. It's still real. It's still God's plan. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Jesus was where he was supposed to be, where he, his father had sent him to be. He was where he was called to be, and it was not for him to go it alone. He called and others followed. He came across those who had no hope, no standing, nothing that would single them out across uh, those who had no hope, no standing, nothing. And he said, come follow me. Come. He was also speaking right where he was led to speak. And he was speaking exactly what was needed to be spoken. His message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And his message was also follow me. Come on, uh, drop the nets. Let the dead bury the dead. Come, follow. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make your life help people with their lives. And this is our message today. It's still repent. We don't say it like that. We live in a touchy society, do we not? One that would feel like, well, who... Who said you could tell me that, you know? So, so some still say it that way. 
But what we're really saying, there's a day of fulfillment that is and is to come. And the culmination of what was started as Jesus broke in and began his ministry and his second coming. So we proclaim, repent, yes, or come into a meaningful relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. We're called to come into a relationship with our Lord and Savior and to follow after him, to follow him. And as a result of this, of this new life in Christ, Jesus says, I will make you fishers of people. In other words, I will live in you and flow out of you and others will come to know me through the life that you live out because you're following me. And we're not alone. This is a community process. We are each empowered and encouraged by following Christ together as we lift each other up and encourage one another. Most of us would say, that, that's, that's what kind of follower I want to be. That's, that's who I want to be. I want to be like that. Oh, how I want to be empowered, to, uh, an empowered follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to call others to his side. Oh, I want to be able to pray and see the power of God working through my life for the sake of others. But what does it take? That's usually the question. What do I need to do to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? What are the things that will help me identify within my own life things that, that, uh, uh, that show that I'm on the right track of continually becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus? And I believe the answer to this question is actually really simple. And I'm super glad that you asked. Because here it is. I hope you're ready. You know, seat belts. We're going to put those on. You got to get ready. Here it is. It's huge. Are you ready? Follow. Follow. Just follow. Be a follower in the making. We never arrive. But we can be on track following our Lord. Here's a few things that we can do. Goose has already started with the students. It's great. He's doing a spiritual disciplines. We could all use some additional spiritual disciplines, don't you think? You think, oh, I don't like that word. All right, well, it's spiritual encouragements. I don't care what you call them. Just, just the, the things that we do that draw us close to our Lord. Number one, we could, be in, uh, we could be in prayer and be in the Word of God. We could pray... And be in the Word of God. That's a good, is that on your list? I would think that that's on his list. We can pray and be in God's Word. In order to know where God wants us to be, in order to be where he wants us to be, we need to hear the voice of God, hear what he's saying. And where do we hear the voice of God? We hear him speak to us when we read his Word and when we pray. You can have moments where, oh, and, and you didn't even need a commentary the Holy Spirit is the best commentary there is and he won't lead us wrong and, and you read part of the word and go, that, that's for me. Right now, I take that in. Now, if it's like, man, Jimbo needs that really bad, that may not be the, the right one for it, you know? The one that says, that's for me. He's speaking to me right now. I can hear his voice through the word as I pray. To follow him, we pray and we read and we, we study his word. And, and I know at first it's like, that's not fun for me. That's okay. Do it anyway. You'll come to a place. You know what? When I started out walking, <laughs> it wasn't fun. Running, getting ready for the, the marathon. Ugh. And then I'd 
after the pain in the knees wore off, I think, I got to do that again. And I get up and do that again. And then I saw some pounds come off. And I was like, well, this is a really good thing for me. I should keep doing this. I found myself waking up early and, and getting myself ready and, and walking. And I need to start that now, by the way. It's, it's only a month and a half away, I believe. And so it's, it's, it's beyond time. Some of you are already out there doing it, but, but it's not fun at first. It's like, oh, it's so early and I got to bed late and, and, and now I read this and it's just words on a page. And, but then the Lord goes, here's something for you. And it's like, oh, oh. And then you want to go share it with somebody. I got I to share with you what, I, what, what God spoke to me about this morning. This is how we hear from God. We pray and we study his word and and read his word. Next we should, and it's super imperative, that that we assemble and worship the Lord together. I know some look at that and go, yeah, well, I mean, we're going to like be doing some other things. And I get that. But the more I do that, the more I spend that time with you, the more Monday comes and I go, man, it's a whole other five days or six days before I get to be with them like that again. I can't wait. I want to be in the presence of God and amongst the people of God and hear what God says to us together. This has become in many places just an exciting activity. Ah, I got a band and worship and, and lights and some smoke machines. And I like all of it if it's for God, but what is our worship about? Who's it for? Some would look at it and go, "Those I don't like the way they do it. I don't like that color on the wall. I don't like, you know, and, and, we, and we can, the churches, there's so many, you can, you can find something. You can find something that you like these days somewhere else. But you'll find out that there's something there also that you don't like there either. Unhappy with the worship set or the service order or the plans that have been presented for moving forward to the body of Christ. If we will be in God's word and praying as we've been called to, we will soon understand and and know that the worship event is not created for me. It is not a salad bar of just my favorite things that make me feel special. No, this worship service is our way of offering to God our lavish praise and thanks for all that he's done in our lives. We come into this place, into his presence with thanksgiving, and we adore the one who came and lived among us, who followed his father all the way to the cross on our behalf. We come and worship and we fall down in the presence of the one and the only Savior of the world. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He's the Alpha and Omega of the beginning to the end. His ways aren't our ways and our thoughts are much lower than his thoughts. His are higher. So I come before him today not just to see what I can get but to lavishly pour out my praise and thanksgiving and to give to God all that is due his name. That's what's special about the community meeting together in this place. So we pray and we study and we assemble together and we give thanks. We, we give. Oh, you thought I just meant thanks. <laughs> we give to God. Oh, I wish he would have just skipped that one. We give of our time. We give of our talent. 
We give of our means. Matthew 6 tells us, among other things, how to be, that, that we should not store up for ourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. And if you need to find a place like that, just go look in your garage. I look in my garage and I'm like, well, there's what they're talking about because it's all over the place. I look out in our storage out here. Oh, man, man, they are storing up right in here. He says, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. We are to give of our time, our ministry, our talent, and of our means. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. Oh, I've heard that before. (laughs) Erase that then. It's a whiteboard. Just erase it. If there's already a preconceived notion about that doesn't work, erase it and believe it. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This has been true when I give a lot, and it's been true when I give a little. It never fails. God never fails. He's true to his word every time. Most of us, if not all of us, as we continue to follow our Lord, we we would say, that's exactly what I want to do. I I, want to be like that. I want to be that kind of follower of Jesus. I want to be in the word. I want to be praying. I I desire to give him my time and my talents, and yes, even even my money. I want to give some of that too. There's a famous pianist, Oscar Levant, used to say that people would say to him, I'd give anything to be able to play the piano like you. And then he would say, oh, but you can play like I do. Then he would explain to them what it would take, the hours of practice, the years of study, and the lifelong dedication. And then they'd get mad at him. They'd become angry and they'd accuse him of being rude to them. They did want to play like he played, but they didn't want to pay like he paid. That's true. You see, many many want to admire Jesus, to hold him up as an ideal, to idolize him and worship him, but not all truly want to follow him. And here's the problem. You see, nowhere in the gospel accounts does Jesus ask anyone ever to admire him. The phrase admire me does not appear in the New Testament, neither does idolize me or idealize me. Jesus used the phrase love me only twice. They both appear in the Gospel of John and they're followed by admonitions, uh, telling his disciples what to do. If you love me, he says, keep my commandments. If you love me, feed my sheep. The phrase worship me appears only three times in the gospel, once in Matthew, once in Mark, and again in Luke, and it was not spoken by Jesus. No, it was spoken by Satan as he tried to tempt Jesus. Jesus asked his followers to believe in him only five times, and three of those are in John's gospel, the other two in Mark and Matthew. The the thing that Jesus asks us to do most often, the commandment that he utters more than any other 20 times in the four gospels is not admire me, it's not believe in me, it's not even worship me or sing about me or even love me, but it's this, it's follow me. Follow me 20 times in the four gospels. Do as I do, walk where I walk, go where I go, relate as I relate, talk as I talk, follow me. That is the call of the gospel. Sell all that you have. 
oh, we're meddling again. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Take up your cross and come follow me. It's not a a little simple deal. It's not like, okay. It's... If you true, if we if we understand what he's asking, it's everything. Got something you want? Let it go. Got a dream that you're thinking about? Forget it. Maybe. Storing up a big retirement? I don't know. Talk to God. We lay all those things down at the feet of Jesus and say, I want to follow you. And for many, that's fine as long as they understand it in, the, in, the sa- in that safe, detached, metaphorical way. Well, he didn't mean that we should sell everything. <laughs> That'd be silly. Kierkegaard puts it this way in tough terms. He says this, To want to admire instead of following Christ is not an invention of bad people. No, it is more an invention of those who spinelessly want to keep want to keep themselves detached at a safe distance from Jesus. But it is not a safe, detached, and metaphorical understanding that Jesus is calling us to. It is rather to calling us to the frontier of our spiritual lives places we haven't seen yet, places we haven't gone yet. He's saying, come on, I got so much more for you to be a part of. It is rather to that frontier space, that spiritual life. If we follow him, really, really follow him, that means that we are going to have to take risks and live life at the edge of our resources. Sometimes I say to the Lord, I don't know, I don't know how that works. He says, follow me. I said, yeah, I know, but that's a lot. How do I do that and still have cable? (laughs) So we turn cable off. Now I'm streaming, and they're edging us up. It ain't going to be long. Hulu, your days are numbered. How do I do it, Lord, and still have nice things? Follow me. You won't care as much about nice things. And by the way, I'll probably give them to you anyway. means we're going to have to start forgiving those who treat us badly. We're going to have to start loving our enemies even though they would undo us. It means we're going to have to start being for forgiving and self-sacrificing. We're going to have to give up what we want, what makes us happy, what makes us comfortable and satisfied for the sake of others. It means we're going to have to invest ourselves in the cause of the poor and the powerless If we want to follow him, it means we'll have to start doing for others with no expectation of getting anything in return. It means we'll have to start loving people who are hard to love and helping people who may not appreciate your help. 
It means that we'll have to be willing to suffer falls and failures, defeat and death for the sake of his kingdom. Just here to encourage you this morning, folks. Following Jesus is demanding. It's a, it's a demanding business, no doubt about it, but it is not all demand. Rewards are promised as well. If we follow Jesus, Scripture tells us he will lead us to the place where life is more real, more authentic, more vibrant and exciting than we ever imagined it was possible. Hang gliders and base jumpers will have nothing on us. Mountain climbers and extreme skiers and daredevils, all those crazies on, the, uh, on YouTube that look like they should have broke their neck, we, they will have nothing on us. They'll stand in awe as we pass by. People of every faith and every nation will point to us and they'll, they'll say in wonder, these are the people of God. These are they who live in the kingdom of everlasting light. These are followers in the making. Followers of Jesus. Stand with me, will you? Are you ready to follow Jesus? I know you are, but is there a new frontier on that spiritual life that he's pushing us towards, pushing you towards? He says, come follow. Are you ready to follow Jesus?